0: Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy
1: Green is holding on line one.
0: The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. Ahead this hour, we'll be uh, speaking with Andrew Scheer, Saskatchewan Member of Parliament and the youngest MP to be elected parliamentary speaker by his peers. I think he was 35 years old at the time, four years as Speaker of Parliament. Andrew Scheer, perfectly bilingual, and he's seen by many in the Conservative Party as a really legitimate contender for the leadership. Now, we know that uh, Kevin O'Leary and Maxime Bernier, who was on the air with us yesterday, Kevin O'Leary last week, they're considered to be the front runners, but uh, Mr. Scheer is definitely considered to be a legitimate contender, as is Mr. O'Toole, who's been on this show for CPC leader. We'll talk to him in the ha- at the half hour. Two people per day die from opioid overdoses in Ontario. That was the headline. So again, the opioid crisis focuses only, at least as far as the media reports are concerned, only on the abuse of opioids. With no word about patients who do not abuse their opioid medications, and without which chronic pain patients would be lost potentially to suicide because of their pain, uh, we already know that some of the um, some of the people who some of the patients have been either totally cut off as far as their opioids are concerned, or they've been significantly reduced. And I've received some emails which I've shared with you, and we've talked to pain patients on this program. We've also spoken with Dr. Fiona Campbell, anesthesiologist and co-director of Sick Kids Pain Center at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. She's also the president-elect of the Canadian Pain Society, and Dr. Campbell is back with us uh, on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Campbell, thank you. Thank you very much for the time. Uh, another story about opioid abuse deaths, two per day in Ontario. That's very unfortunate. But who is ending their own lives because of opioid medication? Is it chronic pain patients who are responsibly taking their prescribed opioids, or is it people who voluntarily engage in drug abuse without an attending chronic pain issue?
1: Well, good afternoon, uh, good afternoon, Roy. Thank you very much for having me on again. Um, it's a it's a very complicated issue. Uh, I would. THE RECENT PUBLICATION THAT CAME OUT FROM A VERY HIGHLY REGARDED GROUP OF SCIENTISTS uh, IN TORONTO, LED BY um, Tara GOMES, um, HAS IDENTIFIED THAT THERE ARE TWO OPIOID-RELATED DEATHS PER DAY. So the extent to which this has a relationship with people taking opioids for chronic pain, uh, or people who are taking illicit opioids to get high, uh, is complicated. But I would say, um, for the purposes of um, this particular statistics, it's uh, people who are unfortunately taking opioids uh, to get high and. Um, uh, getting alarmingly high concentrations uh, usually of a medication called fentanyl, and sometimes heroin uh, as well. And so, um, yes, generally speaking, not people who are taking opioids for chronic pain.
0: It seems to me that in the general discussion and the concerns and the alarms about opioid abuse, the patient is very rarely talked about, the chronic care patient or chronic pain patient, is rarely talked about, and that's a, a patient quotient that is only increasing as the population ages, and certainly they're significantly important in the debate about, uh, about opioid use. Would you, first of all, is that a fair observation, and what do opioids do when they're taken properly? How do opioids positively affect the pain patient who's prescribed the opioids?
1: Well, um, you mentioned a few points there. Um, uh, The actual statistic for the proportion of um, the population who experiences or suffers with chronic pain is about 25%. So uh, we have a very high proportion of people who who experience chronic pain in in some way, shape, or or form. And about 5% of this group have very severe chronic pain to the extent that it has huge impact on their uh, ability to function uh, their health related quality of life and it's though it's for this group of patients that i think that opioids should not be a first-line treatment of medication, Uh, but they should certainly be in the armamentarium of of providers uh, to be able to prescribe should they be so needed when other more conservative lines of treatment have failed.
0: And when taken properly... What does an opioid do to break the pain cycle or interrupt the pain cycle or leave the pain reality for the for the patient who requires the that medication?
1: Yeah, so opioids are um, a group of medications that work on an opioid receptor in our central nervous system. And um, they work by uh, reducing uh, activity and um, uh, increasing uh, analgesia in the body. So it has a direct effect on our pain receptors in the body to uh, dial down pain.
0: So we have one out of four people in this country living with chronic pain to one, one level or another. And and for those, I remember our conversation, our first conversation. We talked about uh, the impact of significant chronic pain on a person who's not able to alleviate it or not able to interrupt it in any way. And uh, that was after uh, some stories had surfaced about suicides from by pain patients. And and you, if I remember correctly, you defined four stages that um, that may be in play when a pain patient. Takes us or her own life when they can't access their opioid medication. One is the pain, second is social isolation, third is depression, and fourth is suicide. How concerned should we be about suicide being a reality for people who may not have access to opioids as they've had by prescription for a significant period of time or may have a significantly reduced uh, milligram access to uh, to opioids. Is this? Is there another crisis waiting to happen? Uh, well,
1: there is no doubt there have been reports of suicides from patients who have had their opioids either reduced abruptly or cut off and for whom they are no longer available and There are patients uh, who people who we know are suffering with severe chronic pain who talk about this and think about this um, in a, in a uh, fairly frequent uh, fairly frequently. I think the um, four stages that you speak of, it's not really a linear thing. The number of patients who commit suicide from uh, chronic pain um, is low. Uh, It is, double um, the rate in the general population, Um, but there is no doubt that this is a bit of a spanner in the works when they can no longer have access to opioids uh, um, for some patients for whom they have been quite helpful in maintaining um, a reasonable um, quality of life.
0: Dr. Campbell, I'm going back to that number of 25% of Canadians dealing with chronic pain to a greater or lesser degree that's that's a that is a big big number if there were um, a disease discovered today that is affecting 25 percent of Canadians and is affecting 25 percent of Canadians in a very negative manner that would be a that would be a, an alarm bell situation wouldn't it
1: Yes, it would. Now, uh, 25% of people who um, experience chronic pain, they're not all in this sort of um, deeply disabled um, uh, category. It's 5% of those 25%. So it's a, a... A small proportion of those with chronic pain who end up uh, in this sort of vicious cycle of being uh, unable to work, exercise, um, see friends and colleagues become socially isolated, perhaps depressed, and and entertain uh, suicide. So it's not 25% of the population who are in that stage. It's 5%. 5% of that. Of the 25%.
0: Okay. The... uh, it's It's a clear issue. It's a clear problem when you have two people per day in the province of Ontario dying of opioid related issues. And we've seen the numbers um, in Canada nationally or projected numbers if, uh, in the United States. I've seen some of some of that as well. Um, where does the focus have to be on opioids going forward? and where is the focus? what What's the objective of governments and the medical profession? and not, they're not necessarily the same, are they?
1: No, but we are working together. Um, Certainly Jane Philpott, the Federal Minister of Health, is really wanting uh, people to pull together and um, deal with this in a comprehensive way. So I think you just asked what's uh, getting at, what what needs to be done in sort of a a solution. Right. Uh, Well, there isn't really a simple solution. I mean, we certainly... Um, need to do a so it's going to be multifaceted Uh, we need to do a better job of preventing acute severe pain so pain that's happened in the short term we need to do a better job of preventing that acute pain from becoming chronic Uh, We then, once we have established chronic pain, uh, have to um, take measures to be able to um, provide reasonable treatments for chronic pain. So instead of just writing a prescription for opioids, we need access to other treatments such as Physiotherapy, uh, psychotherapy, which currently people have to pay for, which is a massive barrier to getting those kinds of treatments that can prevent acute pain from becoming chronic. Um, we need to have um, good treatments for people who then do uh, become addicted, uh, and then we to. to To address the addiction problem, we need safe injection sites so that um, naloxone is available um, uh, and people aren't getting um, into uh, trouble with um, the acute results of injecting and getting an overdose that way. we need better education for healthcare providers. We know that vets get five times as much dedicated pain education as medical students do. We need to make um, the community more aware of chronic pain as an important uh, public health issue, and the patients suffering from chronic pain need to be treated compassionately and taken seriously. We need more research. You know, it's really um, uh, not going to take... Uh, just one thing to make this better. Uh, we need to be healthier so we don't get injured. Um, we need to wear seat pelts so we don't get catastrophic injuries. Uh, it, it's, really, uh, it, it, it's really such a huge phenomenon that has so many parts that can be addressed.
0: And it's something that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed uh, without any waste of time. And it's, it's almost become a, a situation where the, which is demanding instant solutions. And it's a situation where there are no instant solutions, uh, from what I'm hearing you say. I have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you, please, about kids who deal with uh, chronic pain, children who, who have to deal with chronic pain. Dr. Fiona Campbell of uh, Sick Kids Hospital, president-elect of the Canadian Pain Society, With me on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Big stories and even bigger guests. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. To listen back to any segment that we air, just go to your favorite Chorus radio station, go to the uh, audio vault and you'll find the segments from this program you can also download them any time you choose follow me on twitter at the roy green show and emails to roy at roygreenshow.com dr fiona campbell anesthesiologist co-director of the sick kids pain center at sick kids hospital in toronto president elect of the canadian pain society we're talking about opioid medications and uh, chronic pain sufferers in canada and where the two meet and when the two have to Diverge. Uh, Dr. Campbell, talk to us please about children dealing with chronic pain. Uh, How is that approached and are there different options for children than, than for adults or is it just an issue of dosage?
1: Uh, well, this is the domain in which I um, find myself have the privilege of working now in the chronic pain program at uh, SickKids. Um, the interestingly, about the same proportion of children and teens have uh, chronic pain as do adults, so 20 to 25 percent of whom, again, it's about five percent have severe impact on their health-related quality of life. um, The kinds of conditions they have are pain related to diseases such as severe rheumatoid arthritis, sickle cell disease, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, they get chronic pain from uh, cancer both from tumors themselves but also the byproduct of its treatment Um, kids end up with very severe chronic pain um, following major um, motor vehicle accidents and uh, pain after any kind of surgery uh, really and they have the same sort of impact in the sense that they have not only the physical and psychological suffering associated with the pain but they're out of school, not participating in their uh, hobbies and sports, they're not seeing their friends, they're becoming socially isolated. And we see a relatively high um, uh, uh, proportion of the kids with anxiety and depression, Uh, and uh, it also doubles the risk of suicide in the um, pediatric population as well. And uh, so the treatment um, that you've asked about, it's... uh, our program at Sick Kids is a multi or interdisciplinary uh, treatment uh, model where we have uh, physicians such as myself, um, physiotherapists, psychologists, social workers, advanced practice, nurse specialists, um, all sitting at the table when the children and the families come into their appointment so that they really get a good comprehensive assessment of their pain and, and its impact. In terms of treatment, um, we have uh, similar kinds of treatments, although, uh, as you say, the dose may be lower of medication, um, but still, uh, it's not just about the drugs. Um, and it's certainly not just about the opioids, but we would use non-opioid medication treatment. We, it's really important to get um, a functional sort of physical rehabilitation going, so get kids moving again so that they can uh, claim their lives back, um, get them uh, seen by psychologists so that their mental health impact is reduced and they can learn to live life fully despite the pain. And sometimes for kids, we do use opioids, although we're very, very careful um, because of some of the risks associated with the opioids themselves. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the best model of care is to have access to a, a comprehensive team that can treat the whole patient with a whole variety of uh, treatments in their toolbox.
0: Very complicated issue. We, we have about a minute left. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue of funding for alternative pain treatments, you mentioned the physiotherapy is not covered and that's an issue with, with patients. Is this something that has to be uh, significantly addressed, the funding of alternative pain treatments?
1: Yes. I mean, we say alternative, you mean alternative to opioids. Right, yes, exactly. Sort of uh, alternative treatment, yeah. in quotes. Um, but, yes, I, I think it's absolutely critical that we have access to um, uh, treatment that uh, will reduce the reliance on opioids and there are g- many groups across the country working on this both to identify really pull together the evidence uh, but also uh, advocating for okay. this and I know that uh, uh, Ontario um, for sure this is something that is at least on the cards and right. up Dr. Campbell I,
0: I apologize I have to stop you because the satellite's going to get us this time. Okay. I, I thank you so much for the time and thanks for the information. So very important. Thank you again.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Roy.
0: Dr. Fiona Campbell, Andrew Shearer, when we come back.